Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, spring forward for safety. NHTSA is urging drivers to check your vehicles for open recalls and have them addressed as part of the regular routine to go along with the semi-annual time change. Also this morning, Me Too is one of many modern movements that have been driven almost exclusively online. And this year's theme for International Women's Day is centered around the Embrace Equity hashtag. Just examples of how social media has grown a social conscience. And if you're looking forward to the beautiful blooms of spring and who isn't, the Hancock County Master Gardeners want to help you jumpstart your garden. We'll have details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. So this is uh, kind of interesting, and this is one of the uh, stories folks are buzzing about. I don't know if you've seen this on uh, social media or not. It is no secret that teachers are, by and large, underpaid Uh, It is an underpaid profession in this country, but one teacher's recent TikTok highlights just how bad things are, especially now that inflation has impacted the cost of everything. Uh, The uh, video was shared by an English teacher in Fort Worth, Texas, by the name of Alexis Longcrier. By day, she is a mild-mannered English teacher. By night... She hops in her car and delivers pizzas. Not because she wants to, because she says she has to. She posted this on TikTok saying, I'm a full-time teacher, and here it is, 8 o'clock, and I'm delivering pizzas. I'm doing this because I can't survive on my teacher paycheck. Uh, According to usafacts.org, the average public school teacher salary in the U.S. is $65,090. An increase of less than one and just less than one and a half percent from 2020. Uh, this is part of the reason why many teachers have fled the profession in the last three years. Um, not just the uh, low pay, but uh, also the extra pressure and extra stress that COVID placed on teachers who are already under strain. So now there will be some. Say, hey, $69,000 or $65,000, that's not a a terrible salary. But it is, you know, considering what you have to invest to become a teacher and all that you have to put up with, and uh, uh, that is... uh, It's kind of interesting. Again, it's uh, causing a a lot of uh, conversation. This uh, little video she posted on, uh, on TikTok kind of gone viral there. Uh, But folks are buzzing about that. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, uh, teachers and kids and and all of that, that a group of uh, elementary school students, elementary school students in Canada, have taken NASA to school. They have discovered that EpiPens, the emergency treatment for allergic reactions, you know, uh, EpiPens, can become poisonous in space. The uh, students uh, are part of a STEM program that let them conduct experiments. Um, They basically could put these experiments in small boxes that were then in these small cubes that were then sent into space. And this group of 
elementary school students in Canada put uh, a, a few EpiPens in this cube and uh, submitted that to be sent to space. When they got the EpiPens back, they discovered that in at least some of them, not all, but on some of them, the cosmic radiation had transformed the main ingredient into an extremely dangerous poison. Now, it doesn't say how they discovered that, and it is worth noting that it wasn't in all cases, but in some of the pens, the main ingredient in the EpiPen had turned toxic. And, I mean, you can't, just because they didn't all turn toxic is not a good thing. I mean, you can't, you know, guess which ones are going to be toxic, which ones aren't. Uh, The kids are now working on ways to shield EpiPens from the cosmic radiation that could turn them deadly and will present their findings to NASA this June, it says. Now, at first I saw this and I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, But then I got to thinking, you know, if we're going to send people into space, establish a colony on the moon, which they've talked about, and, and maybe go to Mars and eventually inhabit other planets and all of that, we'd better make sure that the medicines that people will need in space don't turn toxic. That would, that would be a bad thing. So, and I wonder, had these kids not had that thought, elementary school kids, had they not had that thought and conducted this experiment... Would anyone else have thought about it? Would, would someone at NASA have thought, hey, maybe we need to make sure that our medicines don't turn poisonous in cosmic radiation? That's it. It's based. You would think that somebody would have come up with that, but the fact that it was elementary school students, <laughs> that was kind of interesting. Well, kudos to them. Speaking of, um, speaking of uh, medication, this is another uh, one of those buzzworthy stories. That was very interesting. Um, scientists at the University of Texas have dis- have developed an injection that could sober you up in half the time of just letting the effects of alcohol run their course. Sober you up in half the time. This injection. Researchers, um, first of all, they they uh, experimented on mice and they got them drunk. <laughs> They they injected them with enough alcohol for them to be off balance, get a little tipsy, and then they injected them with the hormone FGF-21. The mice who received the injection recovered their balance in an hour and a half, while the mice who were not given the hormone injection took twice that amount of time to sober up. Uh, FGF-21 is a hormone that acts on the nervous system and regulates alertness, and they say it works to help uh, recover from being drunk. And I'm thinking, you know, hey, if we've got got an injection that will offset the balance of, uh, or offset the effects of opioids, why not not alcohol, I guess? If it works, could be a huge breakthrough. Uh, A couple of other uh, interesting stories. Most interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, of the day. Now, this is now this is getting serious here. Hershey's is launching a vegan Reese's peanut butter cup. What's that you say? Yes, the company announced 
two new dairy-free products, the Reese's Plant-Based Peanut Butter Cups and a vegan chocolate Hershey bar with almonds and sea salt. Both are made with oats instead of dairy and made to taste like milk chocolate, but no chocolate involved. The new Reese's will be available later this month. The new Hershey bar set to hit shelves next month. Vegan Reese's. That's it. The world's coming to an end. That's the world's coming to an end. We're going to vegan Reese's. I don't know what this world is coming to. Um, Let's see here. (laughs) Tom Brady is uh, is back in the news. I saw this story about uh, Tom Brady. Uh, There are reports, I guess, circulating that he may unretire again. And uh, apparently now, Tom Brady himself is trying to put those rumors to bed. He uh, posted on Twitter, he tweeted the other day, Tom Brady did, that anyone thinking that he has time to play football again has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. (laughs) This is his excuse. He cannot come back to play in the NFL because he adopted a two-month-old kitten for his daughter. Um this was in response to a talk uh, to a talk show host, Rich Eisen, who said he heard while at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis that Brady was thinking of unretiring for a second time. Quarterback retired early last year, only to end up coming back a month later. Uh, Tom Brady says uh, he is retired for good after announcing he was walking away from the game earlier this year, and uh, that is <laughs> that is how he is. Framing it, he said he has no time to play in the NFL because he has adopted a two uh, a adopted a kitten for his daughter. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that I buy that, but okay. Uh, by the way, speaking of the NFL, this is pretty cool. Uh, an NFL player and three is among an NFL player is among a group of four individuals responsible for saving a man from a burning vehicle in Austin, Texas. KJ Osborne wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, told ESPN yesterday that a vehicle sped past his Uber on Sunday night before crashing into a pillar under a bridge overpass. He says he, his Uber driver, and two others on the road stopped to help save the driver from the vehicle, which had burst into flames. K.J. Osborne says he was eventually able to pull the man out of the vehicle and carry him a safe distance away. The victim had to be taken to the hospital for treatment. No other injuries reported. But that is, wow, springing into uh, into action there. Pretty cool. Kudos, K.J. Osborne and everybody else who uh, stepped in to help. That complete stranger. And here is how you know you have made it in life. This is how you know that you have made it. Keanu Reeves, the acclaimed actor, Keanu Reeves, is thanking scientists for naming a fungicide after him. (laughs) Keanu Reeves now has a fungicide named after him. In a study published last month, scientists in Germany say they recently discovered a bacteria that kills fungus, and they named it Keanu Mycin. Keanu Mycin. This past weekend, the actor responded to the news, writing on uh, social media, Thanks, scientist people. That's how he worded it. Thanks, scientist people. 
He said, uh, thank you for helping us. Uh, Keanu Reeves' new movie, John Wick Chapter 4, uh, comes out the end of this week. Keanu Meissen. <laughs> Fun side. That's how you know that you have made it. Forget the Oscars. Forget uh, the Golden Globes. Forget all of the uh, accolades. Star on the wa- uh, Walk of Fame. You know, uh, all of that nonsense. You've not really made it until you've had a fungicide named after you. <laughs> Keanu Reeves part of a very exclusive group. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your midweek Wednesday started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny today, a high of 42. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 28. A Finley man has been named a 2023 Jefferson Award winner for public service. Jim Salau has volunteered in the community for more than 40 years with his volunteer service benefiting Big Brothers of Hancock County, Children's Mentoring Connection, and the Center for Safe and Healthy Children, among many others. Jim is a local realtor, is on Finley City Council, and serves on several boards. Jim and other Jefferson Award winners will be recognized at a March 28th banquet in Lima, and one will be selected to attend the National Jefferson Award Ceremony in New York City. Get more on the website. A 56-year-old Ohio man is heading to prison. A federal judge sentenced a Canton man to more than four years in prison for his involvement in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. John Douglas Wright pleaded guilty to obstruction of an official proceeding, and he will serve 49 months in federal prison. Douglas is also required to pay $2,000 in restitution to the architect of the Capitol. He'll report for his term June 16th. I'm Laura Queso. Local leaders from around northwest Ohio gathered in Toledo to talk about train safety. Sandusky Mayor Dick Brady says... If we had three plane crashes a day for a week, we would have everyone's attention in the entire world. 20 train cars derailed in his city in October. And since then, there have been four derailments in Ohio, including the most recent in East Palestine and Springfield. I can't believe the technology can't provide a better buffer for us as far as overheating on wheel bearings. We should have known that far in advance to a train derailing. Trent Croce, reporting in Toledo. The Hancock Historical Museum has released its classic movie night lineup for this year, with the first movie, The Quiet Man, being shown a week from Friday. That's a... Pretty bonnet you have on. Bonnet? Don't you be talking to me about bonnets. The museum's classic movie nights are free and popcorn and refreshments are provided. There will be historical information before the movie and a discussion afterward. See this year's full schedule on our website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So as we prepare for daylight saving time this weekend, we get the uh, usual semi-annual reminders about changing the batteries in our smoke detectors, changing our furnace filter, and so on and so forth. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration wants you to also check your vehicles for open recalls. Joining us with more on their Spring Forward to Safety campaign is Ann Carlson, Acting Administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA. And and in fact, this is Vehicle Safety Recalls Week, not a coincidence that it falls right in line with the time change, right? That's exactly right. Just as you said, we're trying to use daylight savings time, the change in time, to remind people to check to see if their vehicle is under recall. And how do we find that out? Go to 
nhtsa.gov. That's nitsa.gov. When you do that, you'll need your 17-digit vehicle identification number, known as your VIN number. And you can find your VIN number on your windshield, on the door jam of your passenger uh, door in your car, or on your insurance card. You enter that VIN number on our lookup tool, and it will tell you if your vehicle has a safety recall. There's two other ways you can do it. You can call our hotline. If you like the old-fashioned way, you can use a phone, Mm -hmm. 888-327-4236, or download our Safer Car app. You can do that on either an iOS or an Android phone. And then, again, you need your VIN, so you enter your VIN in the app, and not only will it tell you whether your vehicle is under recall, but it will also send you an alert anytime in the future your vehicle comes under recall. So you don't even need to check. If you have the app there, it will remind you that you have a safety vehicle. It will let you know through a through an alert. That actually is uh, is good to know because that was actually going to be the, the next question. Uh, obviously, we want to encourage folks to check this at the time change. I, I was going to say, is checking every six months or so adequate? Yeah, every six months I think is a really good idea. Um, you, you do get notified in other ways. So if a manufacturer has a vehicle under recall, that manufacturer is required to send you first-class mail to notify you about that. So if you see something that's coming from your manufacturer, Mm. open it. It's not junk mail, or it may not be junk mail. It may be telling you that your car is under recall. And here's the really important thing to know about a vehicle that's under recall. It doesn't cost you anything to get it repaired. You take it to your local dealer, and the manufacturer is obligated to pay for it. So this is free. It's designed to make sure that your vehicle is safe. If a vehicle is under recall, that means there's a safety issue with it. So it's really important. It's one of the reasons we're stressing so vehemently that people check to see if their vehicle is under recall. If it is, get it into the dealer and get it fixed and it won't cost you any money. Yeah, again, we want to talk a little bit about how to go about getting a recall corrected, getting a vehicle serviced in this way. Yeah, so let me just, just to, to give you a little bit of background about how common this is. In 2022, there were 932 vehicle safety recalls. And that may sound like a big number. The even bigger number is that affected more than 30 million vehicles. Mm. So it's not uncommon to have something go wrong with your car that can cause a safety issue. Again, the way to figure that out is to go to our website, nitsa.gov, with your VIN, or get the safety uh, Safer Car app Mm -hmm. check. And if you find that your vehicle is under recall... You go straight to your dealer and the dealer will, the local dealer will fix it for free. Okay, really important. You don't have to pay anything because this isn't something that you did through wear and tear, et cetera, et cetera. It's something right. that went wrong with the vehicle. And, and it's going to be repaired for free. Even if the vehicle is no longer under warranty, even if it is not the uh, original dealer where you purchased the vehicle, um, you know, regardless of that, you, know, you will most likely have to make an appointment and so on and so forth. It's just not like you can drop in, uh, you know, uh, out of the blue. Yeah. And you want to make sure they have the right part, mm-hmm. stock, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a good idea to call or to go to the website of your local dealer The recalls are free if your car is 15 years old or younger, but many manufacturers actually extend that even longer. And um, I want to talk about one recall in particular where no matter how old your car is, the manufacturer will fix it for free, and that's for defective airbags. Mm. 
Yes, uh, which uh, obviously has been very much in the news over the past uh, several years because that was the other thing I wanted to ask about. It, you know, is there a um, I don't know a statute of limitations or if a vehicle is beyond a certain age, uh, does that mean that that recalls no longer be issued? This is for vehicles of any age. That's right. So let me tell you a little bit about Takata airbags. So Takata was the manufacturer of airbags in many, many different kinds of vehicles across almost every manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And what we learned is that over time, the longer you owned your car, and particularly in warm weather, not exclusively, but particularly in warm weather, the airbags could degrade. And if they degrade, they can explode even with just a a small sort of bump without, you know, not a major crash Mm. and they can shoot shrapnel into someone. I know that's really gruesome to say, but the reason I describe that is because so far 24 people in the United States have died from defective Dakota airbags and hundreds of people have been injured. Some of them very, very seriously. We've gotten about 58 million of those airbags fixed, but we have another 8 million vehicles on the road that still have defective airbags. And so if you have a vehicle that has a defective airbag, go call your dealer immediately. Sometimes the dealer will even bring a mobile repair unit to your house and fix it right there. Don't drive your vehicle if you've got a Takata airbag that hasn't been repaired. Yeah. And again, the way to figure that out is to, is to go to our, our website, nitsa.gov, with your VIN. If it's a Takata airbag, get it fixed immediately. Yeah, we want to save your life. Yeah, that is just one example. Uh, but again, uh, just underscores how critical these can be. And you also make the point that this is uh, not just about uh, keeping you safe and your vehicle, but really this in, in the broader sense is about uh, keeping the roads safer for everyone. That's exactly right. You could have something go wrong with your vehicle. Say, for example, just hypothetically, it's a steering problem. Right. And if there's a steering problem, you could steer into another vehicle and <laughs> injure or, or really harm somebody else. Yeah. So it's really important to keep yourself safe. It's also really important to keep everybody else on the road safe. Again, Ann Carlson is acting administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, with their Spring Forward to Safety campaign. Remind you to check your vehicles for open recalls uh, in conjunction with the time change in this uh, vehicle uh, safety recalls week. You mentioned the website. Let's mention again those resources that can help folks uh, find out if they have a recall that impacts them. Sure. So it's NHTSA. .gov, that's N-H-T-S-A dot gov. We have a hotline, if you prefer the old-fashioned way, 1-888-327-4236. And we have a Safer Car app that you can download for either an iOS or an Android phone. Let me just tell you one other thing, just to get, just to make you really think about it. In Toledo alone, we think there are about 18,000 defective airbags that haven't been repaired mm. yet. In wow. Ohio, about 300,000. So there's a lot of vehicles out there that need fixing. Make sure that if your vehicle needs fixing, you know about it and you take your car into your local dealer and get it fixed. Yeah, let's get that done today. Uh, and Carlson, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Sure. Great, great to be here. It's really important to get our safety message out. So thanks for having me on your show. So you have a uh, Facebook account, right? Uh, Facebook profile or... You're on social media. Maybe it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But Facebook, I think, uh, for most of us, we have. Uh, one of the, think about this. Uh, the reason I bring it up. 
think about it. Why did you first sign up on Facebook? For most of us, it was probably to share something with family or find out what they were sharing. Uh, Maybe it was to reconnect with old friends or school classmates you hadn't seen or talked to for a long time. Maybe it was just a way to kill a little time, find out what all the fuss was about. But something has happened uh, with social media over the past several years. It has evolved. And not always in a good way. There's a lot of negative stuff on social media, a lot of misinformation and all of that. But also, social media has gained a social conscience as it has grown up. Uh, You think about, for example, the Arab Spring. Now, this was many years ago, but when that uprising happened in the Middle East, that citizen uprising happened, many people were just fascinated by the fact that it was driven by social media. It was organized by social media, over social media. And uh, then you think of the ice bucket challenge that went viral a few years ago, or the Me Too movement. And along those lines, speaking of Me Too, this year the theme for International Women's Day today is also centered around a hashtag, Embrace Equity. So using social media uh, to further or to start a movement. It's kind of interesting. Jennifer Dulsky is an internet industry veteran. She is the former president of Change.org and head of groups and community at Facebook. She is the founder and CEO of Rising Team, which is a business and organization talent development platform and author of the New York Times bestseller, Purposeful. Recently, we spoke to her about how social media has become a catalyst for change. Did anyone really envision this or have these social movements really kind of taken on a life of their own? Well, you know, movements and community have been around for thousands and thousands of years, so there's nothing new about that. What is new is that social media and technology in general, smartphones, etc., all allow us to share our stories and mobilize other people faster than was ever before possible. You talk about the process by which an idea becomes a movement. Are, are, are some of the, these things universals, whether we're talking about something like the Ice Bucket Challenge or the Arab Spring, two very different types of movements, but are the underlying factors that drive people to take action pretty much the same? Yes, it's true. I call it the leadership thread. So I have been fortunate in my career to be able to have this front row seat to witnessing and supporting people who start movements. And these are regular people, whether they are activists trying to change laws or whether they're, you know, people trying to create new businesses for good or just trying to, you know, change something in their neighborhood or their school. The skills really are the same. And in Purposeful, I walk through those steps specifically and I I explain them through the stories of regular people. So everyone from a woman with Down syndrome who persuaded Congress to pass an enormous law benefiting Americans with disabilities to an entrepreneur who's helping us rethink personal nutrition. You know, that's one of the things that I find the most fascinating is that uniqueness from one movement to the next in the sense that the the people who are the movement starters. I mean, you have some that are activists who are simply adopting a new platform to do what they've always done and then you've got kids and retirees and people who really don't necessarily go in with the idea of starting a uh, a national or a global movement just to change something in their own community and then it kind of catches fire. 
That's right. So each movement, as I said, is started by an individual, and it started usually with one small action. So I find that sometimes people are, are nervous to get started because they think they have to, you know, be Nelson Mandela or Gloria Steinem from the beginning, and yeah. that just isn't how it works. What I see is people taking a small step, and then that, that step turns into larger movements. So as an example, take someone like Sarah Kavanaugh. She was a high school student from Mississippi. She was an athlete. She liked to drink Gatorade. And she was looking at the label one day and said, there's this ingredient called BVO that I don't understand. And when she looked it up, she found out it was banned in both Europe and Japan, but somehow still allowed in the U.S. And she said, that doesn't feel right to me. And so she took a simple step, which was starting a petition. And she just said to Pepsi, I really would like it if you could take out this ingredient. I'm a fan. I want to keep drinking Gatorade. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know what would happen from there. But because people related to her story, they signed her petition. And before you knew it, she actually was on the Today Show and the Dr. Oz Show. And she was able, as a teenager, to persuade both Pepsi and Coke to take this ingredient out of all their soft drinks. Well, and that actually brings up another really fascinating part of the book, as you point out, that just as social media provides an entirely new platform for a movement, it has also changed the way businesses and even entire industries react to that movement. Yes, and we see businesses reacting in a variety of ways. I go through something that I call the five stages of engagement in Purposeful, where uh, it starts with denial. Some businesses really mm-hmm. don't want to listen to people who are asking them for change, and that tends to be not a great approach when, you know, what's happening today is that customers really want businesses to be good for the world. And so there's lots of research that shows that businesses with purpose at their core actually are more successful successful in everything from who they can hire to how their stock price performs. And the businesses who are at the higher steps of the ladder on those stages of engagement are those that actually engage with their consumers, not only listen to them, but often take it a step further. So there are brands, uh, there's a, a brand called Medella, which is the company that makes breast pumps for mothers who are newly breastfeeding. And they were asked by their customers to, to start a recycling program. Mm. And not only did they do that, they decided to recycle the pumps into commercial grade pumps and donate them to Ronald McDonald houses for mothers of premature babies who were staying there. Mm. And it became a huge win for their brand because they did something good for the world. Really interesting stuff. What I think is really fascinating uh, that in reading your book, I'm guessing many people will likely start to think about all of this, perhaps for the first time. In other words, I think many of us have been part of all of this without understanding all of the dynamics of it. As as users, we kind of get caught up in a movement, or as businesses, uh, maybe uh, kind of react uh, in the moment, almost like a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, and I, And I'm thinking just like people are starting to give more thought to their comfort level with respect to online privacy. Is there a conversation to be had about just how much influence we let social media have? And do we need more to be more deliberate in examining all of the, uh, all of these movements and causes? I do believe it makes sense for people to take a moment to think about what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And each movement is started by individuals who care about a particular vision, a way they want the world to look. And we should be conscious about that. We should think about movements we want to start, movements we want to participate in. And it's really easier than ever to do that. 
And along with the book, actually, one of the things I've done is start a Facebook group for Purposeful <laughs> so that people who are thinking about wanting to do this and maybe want a little bit more advice or a community to talk about it with can can do that as well. Uh, again, the book is called Purposeful. Uh, Jennifer Dulski. Uh, and as you mentioned, the Facebook group is for Purposeful is probably the best place to start to learn more about the book, right? That's right. And they, they can also go to PurposefulBook.com. Again, our conversation with Jennifer Dulski, author of Purposeful. Are you a manager or a movement starter? We've got a link up at our webpage. Go to GoodMornings.net. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Did you hear about this story? Uh, It's a woman in uh, Texas who apparently 20 years ago stole an alligator egg from the Animal World and Snake Farm Zoo in Texas. Stole an alligator egg 20 years ago and raised the animal, cared for the animal for... (laughs) From from a hatchling uh, to today. The animal is now eight feet long, was found by Texas Park and Wildlife officials in a back in her backyard. And uh, obviously they took control of the of the gator. You can't keep an eight foot long alligator as a pet. Although the animal wardens did say that the alligator had been kept in good condition and Seemed to be friendly with the woman who had cared for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she now faces a fine 20 years after the theft uh, because in Texas, like in most places, people are not allowed to keep alligators as pets. The reptile is now back at the Animal World and Snake Farm Zoo. Is that crazy or what? I mean, 20 years ago, she stole an egg. And uh, she's had it ever since, and uh, she just now got caught. Weird. Speaking of uh, odd pets, an exotic python is now living in an animal shelter after being discovered in an apartment in Jersey City, New Jersey. Authorities retrieved the snake when it was discovered underneath a refrigerator where it had apparently slithered from another apartment, from the apartment of the person who was keeping it as a pet, uh, into another apartment and slithered under the refrigerator. That would not be something you would want to discover your neighbor's python under your refrigerator. Uh, Definitely caused a scare for several residents of the apartment building. The local Humane Society says it is a hybrid West African ball python which they say is not dangerous to humans at all. And for the record, it is legal to keep as a pet in the state. It is believed to have been someone's exotic pet which escaped, and the shelter hopes that the owner will come to get it. If not, then uh, the uh, python will be put up for adoption. They have named it Banana. The yellow ball python. They've named it Banana. It's not hazardous to humans at all. I don't know. I think I would. Uh, I would err on the. Well, certainly less hazardous than the alligator. I would guess. But still, I think I will pass. 
Uh, elsewhere in the broken news, a Portland, Oregon man is on the hunt for a 100-pound model boat and is offering a reward for its safe return. Rick Piper and his son spent years building a miniature but incredibly realistic and accurate model of the battleship USS Missouri of World War II acclaim. Their project grew to be 10 feet long, weighed more than 100 pounds. The museum-quality model was displayed alongside documentation of its significance, such as the ship being where the Japanese surrender was signed and and so on, ending the Second World War. Um, Some were so impressed by the boat that a man who had served on the actual USS Missouri offered Mr. Piper pieces of the wooden deck of the Missouri uh, and they actually embedded one into the model. It had an actual piece of the, the deck of the actual ship in the model. But then suddenly the boat vanished. Uh, Mr. Piper, who is a member of the Portland Model Powerboat Association, believes that someone stole the boat and he has likened it to a kidnapping. He has since alerted national and international model boat club members about the theft. A reward is being offered for the safe return of the model. Police are also investigating. Who would steal such a thing? I mean, what would you do with it if you stole... And this is 10 feet long and weighs 100 pounds. It's not like you can hide it, you know? And if you put it on display, I mean, people would know. Anyway. Uh, A couple of other items. The uh, broken news here. Um, (laughs) uh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma. Uh, Over the weekend, a woman was caught trying to gain access to a home, trying to break into someone's home through the chimney. Police responded to the home to find a woman stuck inside the chimney. There were actually people at home at the time. Nobody was hurt, not even the woman who was stuck in the chimney. She was taken into custody for breaking and entering, and uh, police are reminding uh, folks that chimneys are for fireplaces only. And occasionally Santa, but only on one night out of the year. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, Let's see. What makes someone think? I mean, that's not the first time we've had a burglar stuck in a chimney story. What what makes people think that would be a good idea? I guess that's why they're criminals and they don't hold down regular jobs. And finally, the uh, broken news this morning... Back in late February, an Illinois woman was run over and injured in a carjacking that saw the perpetrator fleeing in the vehicle with the victim's two-year-old still strapped inside. However, when cops tried to activate the Volkswagen car's tracking service called CarNet, they were told that they needed to Re, re-up the subscription for $150 before the company could provide any help. Now, mind you, the authorities called the company and said, this vehicle has been carjacked and there's a kid inside the car with this carjacker. But the company said, nope, not going to help unless you subscribe for $150. <laughs> but they were very, very helpful. And so, <laughs> by the time... The 
by the time the tracker activation had been taken care of, the car and the toddler had been recovered safely. No thanks to VW. As a mea culpa now for what it later called a serious breach, a serious breach of its processes, the automaker is now offering five years of Carnet tracking for free for owners of their 2020 through 2023 vehicles that feature the technology. Uh, Rachel Zaluzic, a brand, um, a senior vice president of Volkswagen, said in a statement released yesterday, quote, Volkswagen must and do it must and will do better for everyone that trusts our brand and for the law enforcement officials tasked with protecting us, unquote. She goes on to say, today we are setting a new standard for customer peace of mind as of June 1st. We will make these connected vehicle emergency services free for five years as one significant step we can take as a commitment to our owners and their families. <laughs> Talk about a PR disaster. Uh, fortunately, uh, the child was unharmed and the woman who actually was pregnant when her car was carjacked, uh, she was fine and the uh, unborn baby was apparently unharmed. Uh, doctors say it was a miracle that nobody was uh, more seriously hurt and the unborn baby was fine and all of that. But uh, my goodness, <laughs> Volkswagen with a little egg on their face. But at least they've now stepped up to do the right thing. There you go. So That is today's broken news report. Uh, look at some of the odd and unusual stories of the day. Brought to you as a public service, more or less. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You can help recognize outstanding teachers in Findlay and Hancock County. Nominate a current teacher who made a difference in your life for the Finley Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. Place your nomination online at finleyrotary.org. That's finleyrotary.org. Nomination deadline is April 7th. Please promote the work, dedication, and achievements of all teachers by nominating an excellent teacher for the Golden Apple Awards. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. They say that uh, you get older, you get wiser, right? Well, maybe not. A new survey of 2,000 Americans over the age of 64. Well, age 64 and older. Okay, so what we would typically think of of as senior citizens. 2,000 seniors. One in nine say that they haven't figured life out yet. (laughs) You think by the time we get to that age, we'll have it all figured out. Um, but no, one in nine say that they have not figured life out yet, even at the age of 64 plus 57% of those in the survey feels though, like everyone expects them to have all of the answers. In fact, and I thought this was, uh, this was kind of interesting. Um, 54% of those in the survey said that they feel like there is always or often pressure on them to make the best decisions uh that not only people expect that there is pressure making the the right decisions and 17 percent say that decision making actually gets harder as they got older so this goes against much of what we think we know about having you know being older and wiser right 
17% said the decision-making was actually harder as they got older. This was a uh, survey by one poll uh, conducted for ClearMatch Medicare. It's a Medicare uh, uh, program, Medicare uh, service, uh, healthcare service. Uh, they found that 31% of seniors would consult someone else regarding a large financial purchase. So, again, we think of going to our parents or grandparents or whatever for uh, wise counsel in making a big decision, but 31%, one in three of them, are going to someone else regarding a large financial purchase. Maybe that's the lesson, is that by that age, you realize that you need some help sometimes. Um, Some of the uh, things that older Americans struggle with the most in terms of making decisions. Um, let's see, uh, health care and their doctor. And, of course, this was conducted for Clear Match Medicare, the Medicare uh, health uh, ser- care service. So uh, they focused in on that. But that was one of the top um, responses, what they have the most difficult time deciding. Seniors also uh, struggle to uh, make decisions on housing and apartment or house 18% say that's a say they wish they could have have test driven their house or their apartment before they committed uh, the same thing for a career path 22% of seniors looking back saying they wish they could have test driven uh, a, a a life path and 23% um, say that their doctor is a tough decision to make. And when it comes to making mistakes, because we all do make mistakes, the average senior <laughs> says that they make the same mistake twice before learning from it. Ultimately, seniors say that the mistakes in their decision-making most often come when they overthink the outcome of their decision. 22% say that is something that uh, that they struggle with, overthinking it. And... Uh, 18% admit that they find it hard to accept that they were wrong when they make mistakes. <laughs> so that doesn't go away as you age. But overall, I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, the average senior says they make the same error twice before learning from it. So that actually makes me feel uh, a little a little better about myself. You know what I mean? So... As we were mentioning a little bit earlier uh, on the program, I believe, you heard us say it's 12 days until spring now. Spring arrives in 12 days officially, less than two weeks. And if you are looking forward to the beautiful blooms of spring, and who isn't at this point, the Hancock County Master Gardeners want to help you jumpstart your garden. They've got a, a seminar coming up. Uh, Lisa McLean and uh, Betsy DeFrancesco uh, with us uh, this morning from the uh, Master Gardeners, along with uh, Ed Lentz, the uh, Hancock County OSU Extension Office. Thank you for uh, for dropping by, uh, one and all. First of all, give us all of the uh, details on this uh, seminar. The It's actually, what, about a week and a half away? So, um, yes, it's on March 18th. Okay. Um, but the registration deadline is coming up. Uh, the registration deadline has been extended ah. until the 11th. Okay. All right. So it is coming up. And, uh, what? That makes it Saturday, right? So. Yeah. But if somebody decides on next Monday, we'll take them. So you just have to ask very nicely, basically. That would help. That would, yeah. So. 
Anyway, but uh, but yeah, you do need just need uh, folks to uh, to sign up so you know how many to expect and 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 so on. So uh, talk a little bit about what. Uh, this is all about um, some of the stuff that you'll be uh, going over. In sure, this. sure. We're really excited to present our annual seminar this year. And as you said, it's called Jumpstart Your Garden. And our speakers this year are going to focus on landscaping design, um, different topics that are really relevant to what's going on right now. Um, we have a speaker on year-round color um, in your flower gardens, how to make everything look beautiful all year long, mm-hmm. um, plants for pollinators, and we also have a speaker on rain gardens, and he's going to talk a lot about native plants and how not only the benefits of it, but how to develop um, and plan one. And then we also have a speaker to wrap up the day on how to diagnose your plants with once you get all these beautiful plants in, mm-hmm. how do you take care of them? Yeah. So we have a great lineup. So this is for those who really are at any knowledge level. Uh, you don't have to be a master gardener, obviously. No, well, you have to start somewhere, and this would be a great place to start. There you go. What is the biggest thing? That, that people often do wrong, especially if they're uh, doing this for the, the first time? One of the things that people ask about the most often or they struggle with the most? I can speak kind of from experience that I sometimes plant what looks nice for the time, like say spring. I have a lot of color. Yeah. And then in the summer and fall, or fall, there's color again, but I need help getting color the, all year that long. Middle, yeah, That's that one thing part. I see. And yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I I know exactly what you're talking about because uh, things that look nice at the moment, uh, then later on, it's not that they don't look nice, but it's they're not as bright and right. colorful. And yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, it, so are there certain things that that will provide those those colors all year long, or do you really have to plant a variety of things based on when they bloom? Well, Chris, on, on that, that, that's why we got Pam Bennett there. That's one of her speaking. She's the state. And she, <laughs> you get all of and, those. And, and, and an international known person. for, mm-hmm. And that's her specialty is how do I get color every year? You, you are probably going to have to plant different plants, but you only got so much space. Right. So you've got to really plan that garden ahead, plan that yard ahead to make sure you have that, or you won't have any place for those, and everything will be done in the spring because I took all the space for that. So, right. yes. And, and that's what the seminar is, is to help us for is to get through that period uh, what can I do to have attractive yeah. things, pollinators, all through the year? And, you know, one of the other things I know that, that people sometimes struggle with, but again, I can speak for from experience uh, with our uh, garden and landscaping and, and so on, is that you don't want to plant too many things in too small of a space uh, either. That can cause problems. Well, or it leaves you with more work to do in the future when you thin things <laughs> well, out. True. But then when you think thin perennials out, you can always give them to friends. Well, there's that too. So, yeah, there are all kinds of uh, of uh, good information for folks. Like you said, you got to start uh, somewhere, and uh, I guess everybody's struggled with these uh, same questions. I think that's the other the other thing. Sometimes I think of myself as I have a brown thumb, but I guess at one time, at one point, everybody had a brown thumb. Oh, correct. And I'm a master gardener, and all of us, and we all still have our moments of being a brown thumb so we are all learning and this is a great opportunity for all levels so um talk a little bit about the uh, the master gardener uh program this is a, a long-standing program within the uh, extension uh office and uh how many master gardeners are there 
now. Well, we have 35 active members. 35. In fact, this is one of the reasons why I do this seminar is to help our members learn things and also for the public who might want to be a master gardener mm-hmm. to see part of the activities we do because we're, we're tapped into all the university resources and horticulture gardening by being a master gardener. We offer a class every other year. In fact, uh, in, in next winter, we will have another class. And this is, this is just one example of activities they do as well as community gardens and a lot of other things. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and the master gardeners are there. I mean, you get calls and, and folks uh, ask all the time, you know, questions, sure. and advice uh, and all of that. Um, we have an Ask a Master Gardener program, which is part of the um, of Ohio State, but mm-hmm. it's part of our Hancock County program mm-hmm. where people can call if they have questions and we have our master gardeners will get back to them and try to help with that and i know uh folks will see you at the fair uh a lot of times mm-hmm. you know, out there mm-hmm. uh helping yes. i think it's where uh, many people maybe get their first introduction to the master uh, master gardener right. program yeah. too some of the things we have coming up um for example we're, we try to get out in the public quite a bit we have um, our program in may it's called let's go gardening where we meet the the saturday before mother's day and we're in the gardening um, centers and try to answer questions if people have questions about selection and what type of plants might go where or mm-hmm. fit best. Um, we also have, we're going to be at the Finley Home and Garden Show. And we have quite a few activities throughout the year. As uh, Ed was uh, mentioning, uh, do the uh, community gardens as well. It's not just dispensing advice. You actually are uh, out there you know, beautifying the community. And yes, so we do do a community garden. And yeah. we've, we've um, donated quite a bit of produce in the last is awesome five years or ten years to um, local um, charities that is awesome so a lot of things going on at the uh, master gardeners uh, program this next one coming up the jumpstart your garden seminar and again the uh, date is the 18th you said march 18th and how do folks sign up if they want to uh, uh, attend this they have two choices they can go on eventbrite.com mm-hmm. and sign up or they can um, go out to the extension office at 7868 County Road 140. Is that? Did you get that? Did you get that right? She did that from memory. <laughs> she did that from memory. That and they is can impressive. sign up in the office okay. and pay then. Okay. Uh, and it's only $40. I was going to say, uh, cost is, is $40, but that's well worth it. For... And it includes a light breakfast and it also okay. includes lunch. All right. And, and some fantastic door prizes. Aha. Uh-huh. Very good. And uh, of course, if you don't attend, I, at least, again, from my point of view, I'll go through at least $40 worth of plants that I'll kill. Because I'm, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it could be a money saver when you think about it uh, with respect to uh, to that. Uh, but a great way to uh, to get you started uh, in your garden. If you've struggled with that in the past or you you know want to do something different, want to do something fresh, want to do it right, uh, this is a great uh, thing. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about it as well. Again, uh, Lisa McLean, Betsy DeFrancesco, and uh, Ed Lentz, the Master Gardeners Program. Thanks very much for dropping by. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And you can find us at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, showcasing the community's many development strategies at a first-of-its-kind community leadership summit being presented by Raise the Bar, Hancock County, and celebrating Women's History Month at the Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center. We'll tell you what's happening. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.